Under Pressure Divecast, Episode 2. Hi, and welcome to the Under Pressure Divecast. My name is Stephen Krause, or as my dive buddies call me, Scuba Steve. Scuba diving is a fun and exciting adventure sport that can be enjoyed by an individual or by the entire family. Not just some other individual, not just some other family. You can be a diver. You can be a family of divers. The Under Pressure Divecast is a free podcast dedicated to promoting and discussing recreational scuba diving and is a companion to the Under Pressure Dive blog. This divecast is not just a resource for scuba divers. It provides scuba content for anyone who is interested in scuba diving or in the underwater world. Each week, we'll be talking about a topic related to recreational scuba diving. It might be anything from new gear, to diving adventures, to diving etiquette, to common scuba questions, conservation, interviews, or anything else related to the sport of scuba diving. So come diving with me. When was the last time you put on your dive gear with just a swimming suit and knew that you wouldn't be cold no matter how much time you spent in the water or had the opportunity to scuba dive under the dome of mineral deposits in a geologic landmark? If you're like me, then you crave new dive experiences and the Homestead Crater in Midway, Utah is going to be on your must-dive list. Welcome again to Episode 2 of the Under Pressure Divecast. The dive plan for the week is a virtual audio tour of what it's like to scuba dive at the Homestead Crater. This unique landmark offers an interesting and one-of-a-kind dive experience. In the tip of the week, we'll talk about some fun tips and facts about the Homestead Crater. And in the Gear Junkies Garage, I'll dig up the Apollo Sports Biofilter Air Moisturizer, and we'll talk about breathing dry, filtered air for 40 minutes at a time. Before we get started, we have a little reef keeping to do. I'd like to thank the great folks over at Scuba Path for a generous review of the Under Pressure Divecast in iTunes. In their own words, Scuba Path is a podcast that is all about helping you get inspired by hearing the stories of others who have made their careers in the diving industry. You can find the Scuba Path podcast at www.scubapath.com. I would also like to mention that the music in this divecast is from Mevio's Music Alley. Check it out at music.mevio.com. Well, with our reef keeping complete, let's make our descent. As I mentioned at the top of the divecast, the Homestead Crater is a unique dive experience. If you live in any major metropolitan area except Salt Lake City, a dive trip to the Homestead Crater will afford you a great drive through some of the most beautiful country in the U.S. For me, that means six hours through northern Colorado, southern Wyoming, and eastern Utah. I don't know about you, but I love to drive. I'm not sure if it's a gift or a curse, but I love the feeling of the open road. It's about as close as I'll ever come to exploring the vast open country of the Southwest before roads, trains, and plains shrank the frontier and gave rise to the cities and towns we now call home. For whatever reason, though, I love to drive, and the trip to the Homestead Crater is no exception. Before we go any deeper, 
I'd like to refer you to the video tour of the Homestead Crater that I produced for my dive site orientation series. You can find the video, as well as some historical and geological information about the crater, on my website. The web address will be in the show notes for this episode at underpressuredivebloggcom slash 002. The drive from Fort Collins, Colorado to Midway, Utah is primarily through the high plains of southern Wyoming. Along the way is the turnoff to Yellowstone National Park, as well as the exit to Flaming Gorge Dam. The roadside attractions include one of the many Little America tourist centers that dot our freeways. The weather on I-80 can be an adventure in the winter, and always seems to be at its worst around Elk Mountain, and between the high winds and road construction, it is important to plan a little extra time for your drive. Making the trip as often as we do, you might imagine that we have some favorite stops along the way, and you'd be right. I will admit that when I carpool with other instructors, we stop in different places than I do if I'm driving on my own. Some of my personal favorite stops are the Long John Silvers in Rock Springs on our way out and the Starbucks on the other side of the freeway on the way back. Heber City and Midway, Utah are nestled in the Grand Wasatch Mountains. The views are exceptional and I am always glad to visit the area. Just a few quick notes. While you're in the area, you can visit Park City, Utah, just a bit north of Midway and home of the Sundance Film Festival. You can also visit Soldier Hollow Olympic Park, home of the 2002 Winter Olympic Games. But maybe you didn't drive all this way to take pictures and watch movies that no one's ever heard of. Well, that's just fine, because it's time to go to the Homestead Crater for a dive. You'll enter the parking lot from the west, and parking for scuba divers is immediately to the right when you enter the lot. As divers, we are one of the many groups that enjoy the crater, and there is generally plenty of parking here, so please park in the area designated for divers only. There are three key facilities that you need to be aware of when you're diving at the Homestead Crater. First, the crater itself, which is easy to find when you get to the parking lot. It appears to be a tall, mostly cone-shaped hill south of the lot. Second is the Activity Center, which is located about 100 yards west and just a little north of the crater itself. This is where you'll find information about crater activities, as well as snacks and souvenirs. It's also where you'll pay your crater fee and turn in paperwork and your liability form. Last but not least, you'll find the bathrooms just south of the Activity Center in a separate building. It is definitely worth noting that the bathrooms are 100 yards from the crater, which should be incorporated into your planning to maximize your dive time. As you enter the diver parking area, you'll see the dome of the crater in front of you and to the left. If necessary, you can drive through the parking area, turn left, and park momentarily in front of the tunnel to unload your equipment. After that, you just need to move your vehicle back over to the diver parking area. Before you dive in the crater, you will need to check in at the activity center. There, you will provide proof of certification, sign a liability waiver, as well as provide payment prior to entering the water. Once you're done at the activity center, it's off to the crater with a possible stop by the restrooms if needed. You'll enter the crater dome through a tunnel that was blasted out in the 1990s and opened to swimmers, snorkelers, and scuba divers in 1996. The tunnel is large enough for two-way traffic, 
but understanding and consideration of others is definitely required in close quarters like this. On your right, you'll find semi-private wooden changing stalls. Just past the stalls is a set of small lockers that you can use for personal items. I'll be honest, I've never had any problem with my keys or wallet at the crater, but if you have a lock, these can be secured. The tunnel has an uphill slant as you walk in until you get past the changing stalls and lockers and arrive at the check-in desk. This is where you will check in with the crater attendant before you get in the water. I would recommend that you get to the crater at least 15 minutes before your scheduled time. In order to make sure that you can set up your gear and stow your regular clothes, etc., so you're ready to get in the water and get the maximum dive time possible. Yes, due to its small size and popularity, you have to make an appointment, but more on that later. In the check-in area, there is also a fill station where you will pick up tanks if you rented them at the activity center, or where your own tanks can be filled if necessary. There are typically a fair number of people in the tunnel engaged in a variety of activities from sightseers, to snorkelers, to other scuba divers, even to paddleboard yoga-ers. I'm not exactly sure what you call someone who does paddleboard yoga. Anyway, please be aware of what or whom you may be bumping into with your gear. It could be a little snorkeler, or diver larva as I call them. Also, watch your step. There's often dive gear on the sides of the tunnel floor or on the deck near the water. The gear you save might be your own. Moving further into the crater, the tunnel now slants down with a set of shelves on the right side for clothes and other dry gear that you didn't put in a locker. Just before you get to the dock itself, you will see a large rinse bucket. Again on the right, are you sensing a trend here? I honestly don't use it since I rinse my gear back at the hotel, but it's there if you need it. Well, you finally made it. You now find yourself in the interior of a hollowed out volcano. Okay, it's not a volcano, but that's what it looks like. Congratulations, you're standing at the brink of a new dive experience. The dock you will use to enter and exit the water is T-shaped, with a small hot tub nestled into each side close to the wall. It's worth noting that the hot tub on the right side is accessible to scuba divers from the water, while the one on the left is not. As you look up, you'll see the opening in the dome, which is covered to prevent debris from falling into the crater. When you're done with your dive, you can actually go around to the east side and walk up the steps to see the crater from above. This also provides a fantastic view of the surrounding area and is a great photo opportunity. The surface of the crater is approximately 85 feet across and the depth is 65 feet. You'll note six buoys directly in front of the dock where the main training platform is and two more that mark a smaller platform and a ladder on each end of the dock for making exits. Once your scheduled time has arrived, it's time to go diving. My experience has been that the best way to enter the water is to simply sit down on the dock with my equipment behind me, put on my mask, fins, and snorkel, then just get my gear on in a sitting position. As an alternative, you can also inflate your BC and gently set it in the water and put it on after you enter yourself. Either way, the only entry that is allowed for scuba divers at the Homestead Crater is the controlled seated entry. Swimmers and snorkelers may use the ladders to enter and exit the water. Okay, now before we go diving at the crater, there are some rules, provisos, and limitations that we need to be aware of. 
First of all, the crater is at 5,500 feet above sea level, making it a significant altitude dive. Care must be taken in dive planning and computer use to ensure divers stay within the recreational limits. Second, wetsuits are strongly discouraged and are not necessary. Third, although the crater is 65 feet deep, please stay off the bottom, as the floor is about 8 feet of very fine powder that is easily stirred up, resulting in reduced visibility. Fourth, the walls of the crater are made of the same fine powder found at the bottom, and is easily broken or brushed off, which also reduces visibility. This makes it important to stay away from the walls as much as possible and to keep track of your fins and tank valves. Finally, as I mentioned earlier, to minimize the action of waves disrupting the walls and reducing visibility, the controlled seated entry is the only entry allowed. Now, bathe in the 95 degree mineral goodness. As you make your descent for the first time, it's probably a good idea to keep to one of the buoy lines even if you're an experienced diver, at least until you have a working knowledge of the underwater landscape. The first feature you'll find is the primary training platform at about 17 feet, and it is a large rectangular PVC arrangement allowing for quite a few students and two instructors to work comfortably. Pausing at this platform to get your bearings, you'll see a bright light underwater to one side, which is close to the smaller platform at around 24 feet. Looking straight down, you'll see a smaller single square PVC platform below you. If you look back toward the dock, you'll note that the shadow from the dock makes this area less well lit and a dive light is handy to have as you explore. Taking the short swim down and over to the metal platform and underwater light, you may find one of the only residents in the homestead crater, a plastic turtle. There is also a plastic alligator, though I have not seen him in quite a few trips now. The metal platform is about four feet wide and eight feet long and can be a great place for group photos or for training if the main platform is being used by other divers. Get out your dive light and watch the interesting structure of the walls as you make your way down and around. At about 30 feet, you may find a wagon wheel suspended on a rope. Another great photo op. Is the rubber chicken there? It hasn't been there the last time or two. I kind of wonder if the alligator ate him and then got sick himself. Continuing down, you'll come upon a lower platform, which rests at about 37 feet. This is a great place to stop and look up at the surface. The small opening in the dome creates interesting light effects. This happens to be one of my favorite spots to practice blowing bubble rings. So if the muse is upon you, make some rings. The last planned feature is a PVC diamond swim through that hangs around 43 feet and allows you the opportunity to exercise good buoyancy and situational awareness skills as you try to get through it without catching your gear. If you're really good, get through it without touching. Going just a little deeper, you will see a large triangle structure resting on the bottom. Yep, that used to be one of the hot tubs you saw attached to the dock. In order to keep the visibility as clear as possible, please don't go any deeper than 50 feet or so. This also helps increase your dive time as the altitude adjustment is significant. As you bid farewell to the wreckage of the USS hot tub and the mud volcanoes, which you can see in some of my YouTube videos, but they are difficult to see if they're not pointed out to you. You can make your ascent by swimming along the wall of the crater, taking care not to disturb it as you work your way towards the upper platform, which is a great place for a safety stop. If you're like me, you're not gonna wanna get out, but eventually your time will be up. 
you'll be out of air, or you'll approach the recreational limits and it's time to exit. As you surface to exit, you are likely to meet other divers making their entries, so it is important to work with them to make sure everyone gets where they need to go without interfering with each other. Now it's time to use those changing stalls and go find one of the local eateries for a burger and a bit of off-gassing before you head over one of the passes on your way home. I hope you have fun on your dive trip to the Homestead Crater, and don't forget to let them know that Scuba Steve sent you. As we rid ourselves of some excess dissolved nitrogen, let's drift over to the tip of the week. This week, it's five facts that will help you get the most out of your Homestead Crater diving experience. First of all, call in advance and schedule your time. The crater is a popular sightseeing and tourist attraction, as well as an open water training location, and it's best to schedule your dive well in advance of your trip. Second, in the winter, there is often so much fog in the dome that you can't even see the water from the tunnel. It is too cool. Third, maximize your dive time and minimize your stress by setting up your gear in the hotel room before you head over to the crater. This allows you to get your equipment ready without the hustle and bustle around you and without impacting your scheduled dive time. Tip number four, before you gear up, now's the time to hit the restroom if you need to. It's a long and often cold walk to the restrooms once you're geared up and wet. Finally, number five, I can't say this is true for everyone, but for me, the water in the crater dries out my skin, so having some lotion in your luggage is a good idea. And that's five tips to make your crater trip the best it can be. That sound means the Gear Junkie's garage is open. When I first began diving in 2002, my throat got very, very dry during and after pretty much every dive. I found myself coughing underwater all too often, and it was an unwelcome distraction from my underwater experience. After doing some research, I dropped the 150 bucks or so that it cost at the time for an Apollo Sports biofilter. It's now about $199 on the Apollo website at apollosportsusa.com. I was incredibly excited when the biofilter arrived in the mail, and I couldn't wait to try it out. In a moment of uncharacteristic curiosity, I actually read the manual before I started messing with it, only to find that they expected me to use distilled water to soak the wick. Right, like I'm going to carry a bottle of distilled water around in my dive gear. You can imagine the eye roll. Well, I went ahead and got some for my test run followed the instructions, and did a few dives to see how well it worked. That was in 2003, and today, I can't even tell you where the biofilter is, but I can tell you with certainty where it's not, and that's on my regulator. I know it's somewhere in one of the bins of gear in the basement, but that's about it. So what was the problem? Did the biofilter not deliver on its promise? Nope. The air out of the system was definitely more comfortable than the dry air we normally breathe. I don't know how many divers use the biofilter. I can't remember ever seeing one on a dive trip, but that's a relatively small sampling. Here's what I found. First of all, the biofilter protrudes about five to six inches from the rigid connection to your first stage regulator and is made of relatively thin metal. To me, this seems like broken gear in the making, at best on the surface or more problematically from getting kicked or bumping an overhead. I considered getting a 6-inch hose for the tank side of the biofilter, but never did it for reasons 2, 3, and 4. Reason number 2. 
distilled water. Sorry, call me lazy if you want, but if I can't pour tap water or bottled water into the thing, it's just not going to be practical for me. The third issue I had was that the repair guys I talked to were completely against getting water into the supply side of the regulator on purpose. I'm pretty sure this is why Apollo recommends using distilled water in the first place, just guessing here, but my gear is my life support, and if the guys who maintain it tell me something, I listen. Finally, and probably most important of all, I found myself not really caring anymore. At some point, after 30 or 40 dives or so, I just got over the discomfort of breathing dry air. I keep a water bottle with me and it's nice to have after a dive, but that's it. I still get dry mouth sometimes. It simply doesn't bother me that much anymore. If you've used the biofilter from Apollo and would like to share your experience, I'd love to hear from you. Or if you'd like to comment on your latest dive at the Homestead Crater, please leave comments at underpressuredivebloggcom slash 002. Email me at scubasteve at updiveblog.com or send me a voicemail using the send voicemail button on the Under Pressure Dive Blog homepage. Well, it's time to ascend from another Under Pressure Dive cast. Thank you for listening today. I hope to see you on the reef. And between dives, I look forward to talking with you about scuba here and on the web. If you've enjoyed this podcast today, please visit the website at underpressuredivebloggcom and consider leaving a review on iTunes. I'm Scuba Steve, and this has been the Under Pressure Divecast. The surface interval's over. Get out there and dive.